This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience. Today I have with me Jason Kramer. He's the founder of Cultivize and he has 20 years of marketing and advertising experience. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Roman. Happy to be here. Awesome. So how did you get into the field that you're in? How did you end up founding your company? Sure. That's a great question. So 15 years ago, I had a former company uh, that was a branding and web development business. And in that company, I had seen a, a common issue that a lot of companies had that we were both working with and actually talking to as prospective businesses. And the issue, Roman, was that companies have a challenge to understand where their marketing dollars are being spent more importantly, what is the return on that investment? Um, and I also saw that they didn't always have a process to find those prospects, right? And then once they have them, be able to nurture them through the sales process, ultimately converting them to a customer. So back in last year of 2018, I actually sold my old prior company and started Cultivize. And Cultivize's mission is to help companies better leverage their internal sales and marketing teams and if they don't have an internal team, an external team certainly works just as well. Uh, but able to help leverage their ability of what effort they're putting in on a day-to-day basis to understand where they should spend their time, which prospective customers are more engaged than others, and then be able to pinpoint when those people are showing the highest level of engagement so they can actually convert them with more precision and be able to onboard new customers uh, with greater growth for their business. No, that's awesome. And the previous company that you sold, was that also in the uh, marketing field? It was, yes. Nice. So what made you get into marketing to begin with? Was that something you always done or was that kind of your you know, career track to begin with? Yeah, well, there's a funny story with that. So, um, you know, as, as a young kid, um, I always loved kind of building things and it was very kind of creative. Uh, you know, I loved art and drawing. And for a while, I thought I wanted to get into, of all things, medical illustration. Um, and I thought of that when I was in high school. And I said, well, what better way to kind of figure out if that's something I wanted to do? Um, so I actually volunteered for a local ambulance corporation and um, realized that what I would needed to do in order to be a successful medical illustrator, I didn't really have the stomach for <laughs> or, or really kind of, you know, as passion as I thought I had. Um, so I actually went to Syracuse University after high school, enrolled in their um, visual and performing arts program and really wanted to just explore the options. I wound up getting into something called communication design, which is similar to advertising in that um, it's more focused on branding and messaging and communicating with both words and the visual kind of components. So out of college, I worked in agencies in New York um, as a graphic designer. And then back in uh, 2003, I formed my first company. The reason I did that, uh, Roman, is that I saw that there were there was a kind of an opportunity where businesses could either go to an agency if they had a large money to pay for retainer, or they would hire freelancers, you know, freelance web designer, freelance copywriter, et cetera. So I actually opened up the company to be a boutique kind of agency model 
where we can provide a full suite of services to those smaller businesses that couldn't afford the agency and give them the peace of mind that everything was being done from the same perspective and the same team. Um, so that's how I kind of got into the industry. No, that's awesome. And what are kind of some of the, I mean, I've been on the agency side, so I know all the pain points, but when you started your first company, what were some of kind of the growing pains that people can, you know, learn from some of the things you may experience starting a company? Sure. Um, I mean, there's certainly a handful. I mean, so um, many years ago, I was working with a, a business advisor who coined the term um, skillpreneurs. Um, you know, a skillpreneur, I don't know if you're familiar with that term. I, I may have heard it, but you um, can explain it for the audience as well. Sure. So a skillpreneur is somebody who's really good at something, whether you're, you know, a masonry, uh, you know, an architect, whatever it is your skill is, um, you decide you want to build a business around the skill. So you're not quite an entrepreneur who is set out to build a business, sell it, move on and build another business and continue down that track. So I, I found that I was definitely in the skillpreneur category. And I'll say a couple of the challenges I found. Um, one was understanding profit margins, you know, is something that I learned not day one, um, but certainly once I understood how to kind of measure my profit margins and build my pricing around project mar uh, margins, I was a lot more successful as a company. Um, you know, because it was, I was doing it in the beginning as a passion, but of course any business owner wants to be profitable and make money. Um, so that is one thing to, to understand your profit margins, I think is critical. Another thing is, you know, really identifying what makes you unique and a niche in your business. You know, one of the biggest challenges I've always had with clients we've worked with is if they're too broad and they say, oh, Jason, we could, we can sell our product or service to anybody. Well, <laughs> we both know, Roman, that you can't sell to everybody, right? You have to have a specific audience and you can have multitude, right? You can have, we sell to this group, we also sell to this group and a third group, but your marketing has to be different for each separate group. Otherwise, it's really not going to address their pain points and show the value you provide. So I would encourage anybody listening today to think about like, what is your niche focus? You know, what can you be amazing at? Because it's better to be amazing at one or two things that be mediocre at 15, 20 different things. So that would be the second piece of advice. And the third piece is really about establishing relationships with other partners. Uh, they don't have to be official partners, but people that can be resources. Um, I always made sure that I was never the smartest person in the room. I always wanted to make sure that I surrounded myself with people that had different insights, different perspectives, um, so we could bring that value back to our customers. No, I agree. And I think, like you said, the skillpreneur that obviously transcends to what a company does and sells, which is funny because you do have to be good at at least one thing. So even in marketing, so I started with search engine optimization. That was kind of my pillar and foundation. I built around that. And I think it's also important for companies and clients and brands to have a core you know foundation what are they based on this is the direction this is kind of the one thing that they're absolutely great at targeting a specific audience and then they can build products and services as add-ons on top of that but have kind of a, a central focus absolutely so in terms of your current company what can you explain to businesses and brands uh, of all sizes, how automation is, you know, very important in 2019 and even moving into the future with technological advances and, you know, scaling of teams and that kind of thing. Sure, absolutely. So like any technology, it's all about what is the strategy of how to leverage that technology and then who's going to be behind it, right, in terms of the, the internal people at a company to make sure it's being leveraged. So marketing automation isn't something new, you know, it's been around for years. 
you know, there, there's a lot of different players out there that are providing marketing automation technology. You know, the challenge with marketing automation technology is that it's technology, right? So if you don't know how to use it, you might think it's very simple to use. Um, and while it's not difficult, you need to have understanding of what it can do in terms of creating that automated process to identify prospective customers that are coming into your world as a company, being able to nurture them with what we call email drip campaigns. So that's you know like setting up rules to say, if this prospect visits this page of the website or does this or watches our video, whatever the case may be, we want them to get you know the email on day one, another email on day five, et cetera. And then also, you know, there's a multitude of other things that come into that with the identifying what is your sales pipeline process, right? So once you have a prospect that says, hey, you know, Roman, I'm interested in what you're selling. I'm interested in your search engine optimization services um, or whatever the case may be. Well, what's the next step, right? So you need to have that sales process in place. Otherwise, the marketing automation isn't really going to be able to do its job. So my advice, we actually have a playbook that we offer um, a 20 page playbook that companies could look to see what does it take to actually implement a successful marketing automation strategy. Um, they can you know, take those steps, if you will, and apply it to something they're already using, or they can even use the guide as a resource to say, okay, this is what's gonna be required. Do we have the internal time and expertise and, and personnel to actually make this work? So my, just to answer your question, my advice to anybody that's looking to into marketing automation, you wanna make sure you have two things in my opinion. First is you wanna make sure you have a sales team. Uh, it could be one or two people, but there has to be someone dedicated day in, day out that's focused just on business development um, because marketing automation requires a personal touch. As you and I both know, it's very rare, especially in a service-based business, that someone's gonna buy something without talking to somebody first. So you definitely have to have somebody that's gonna take ownership of that responsibility. The second thing is, is that, you know, sometimes people think that marketing automation is gonna generate leads and it doesn't in many cases, or if not in all cases, you have to have some type of lead generation effort in place. And whether that be, um, you know, digital marketing, whether you're doing webinars, whether you're going to, you know, a dozen trade shows a year, whatever you're doing to generate leads, there has to be something in there to keep the funnel filled. So we always tell clients, if you're building your business based on referrals um, and networking, marketing automation is likely not going to be a good fit. Um, reason being is that that's not sustainable, right? You don't know when you're going to get your next referral, right? You don't know what's going to happen in a networking event and you can't build a model for success off of that. And certainly we both know, Roman, um, many businesses that have built their business, right? Um, even into the millions of dollars based on those types of connections, right? But at the same time, marketing automation as a technology is really designed when you have a steady flow of leads coming into your world. Oh, I agree. And besides a sales team and kind of the size of the company, do you see anything else or with the type of clients uh, you work with? Like, have they reached a certain amount of revenue or are they at a certain point where they want to scale or they have an internal marketing team? Do you see a commonality in the types of companies you work with? We do. Um, and that's a great question. So there's a couple of factors. One, we typically see businesses that are north of a million dollars in revenue have the means to afford uh, marketing automation. Um, reason being is that, you know, we like to see clients that are probably spending on average about, you know, call it 25 to $50,000 a year on marketing. 
And that's not with us, that's with another marketing company, right? Or if they're doing marketing internally, they're putting that much resource into lead gen. So a company that's usually under a million dollars is not gonna have the budget to spend, you know, 25 to 50K a year on marketing. So that's kind of one of the parameters. Another thing that we see is companies that have either the need for a high volume of customers. So businesses that say, hey, Jason, we only need five clients a year because each client we're gonna bill out at you know, $50,000, $100,000, whatever the number is, we don't need a lot of customers. There's no need for marketing automation if you don't need a lot of customers. So people that do need a lot of customers, marketing automation is a, is a good fit. Um, we also see it a good fit for companies that have a higher price tag on whatever it is that they're selling, or there's a longer sales process. So I always kind of like joke to say that, you know, if you're selling flowers and you have a beautiful bouquet of flowers for $25, it doesn't take a lot of much incentive for somebody to want to buy those flowers, right? If you're in the market for flowers, you're going to make that purchase without really doing any research, without kind of comparing it to other options that are out there. You're going to just go to a website and make that purchase. Those types of businesses um, usually do not benefit as highly. Now, that being said, as a caveat to that, you know, if you have a huge customer base in an e-commerce world, you can use marketing automation for what we call remarketing, right? So you could identify what the trends are of customers, what they're buying, and then serve up content to them based on their buying habits. So the same way when you go to checkout and any website that's e-commerce nowadays will say, you also may like this, Jason, because you picked these shoes. These are some other apparel items you might like that go with the shoes, right? We've all seen that. So we can do that same type of thing with email delivery. We could, instead of sending out a mass email to an entire customer base saying, here's all the new products we have this month, right? We could actually tailor each email individually to each contact based on what either the prior buying habit has been or what the current search habits are. So if we know that someone's looking at necklaces on a jewelry website versus earrings, we might want to send an email just about, hey, check out our new necklaces because we know that customer is more likely to make a purchase on a necklace than other products. Um, so those are some of the scenarios that we typically see. No, that's great information. I mean, I know a lot of companies, you know, big and small, want to automate certain, you know, aspects of their, you know, marketing efforts that would, you know, dramatically add value and save time, but they may not know in terms of, you know, if they should based on what they're currently spending or where they're at in terms of kind of internal team structure. Yeah. So in terms of um, kind of personal and uh, professional development, what's one thing that you may have struggled with in the past that you've turned into a kind of a pro or a win? Sure. So, I mean, as I mentioned, you know, I started the, um, you know, the business, um, you know, my former business name, this current business with no partners. So what I struggled with, and I think any solo kind of owner to a company struggles with is bouncing ideas off of people and having um, a resource when you don't have a you know a partner if you will to the company and so what i recognized early on in my former company and i still practice today is having a resource around me to be able to bounce ideas so i've worked with business consultants i'm actually in a, a, a what you guys can say a business community group now where we have a video call um, every week for an hour um, with a group of other business owners and we kind of bounce ideas off of each other. We help each other problem solve. So I would say for anybody listening today that's a solo business owner without any partners, um, you definitely want to look at, you know, what communities you can join, um, what organizations or business consultants are out there that kind of fit, you know, your specific needs 
and then to work with somebody on a steady basis. Because I will tell you that once I did that and, and pivoted um, to, to that decision, you know, business exponentially grew and things improved not only um, on the, the, the top line, you know, revenue number, but operationally things improved, um, you know, there's the nature of the business. In fact, me starting this new business Cultivize was a result of one of these or a series of these calls with my business community. I was looking for new ways to, to do th different things with my former company. And then through these conversations, it, it dawned on me that I really need to start a new business if I want to do what I want to do. Um, and that's why I sold the old company to start a new company, you know, based on those conversations. No, I agree. I think it's important to have people around you that you can at least, like you said, bounce ideas off. But I think also as a solopreneur, it's hard to do that sometimes, which I mean, I admire you for, you know, finding community to do so, because sometimes you may feel like you have all these ideas, you, you tell them to somebody and they may take your ideas or, you know, run with them. And I think as a uh, solopreneur or entrepreneur, it's it's, it's tough to trust in a way no that's absolutely true you have to have you have to have confidence that you know who you're talking with is has your best interest at heart and you have their best interest at heart as well no i agree so what's kind of one uh, thing you can leave with the audience either recommendations personal or professional well i would say that um you know recommendations would be you know think about um your target audience you know leverage things that are already at your fingertips um one of the biggest tools that we use as a company is linkedin a lot of people are, I don't think, are leveraging LinkedIn to its fullest potential, um, you know, and if you're a company like us, who we utilize technology and part of what we deliver, if you go into LinkedIn and if you have LinkedIn Sales Navigator, which I know not everybody that's listening may have, but I will say it's worth the investment of roughly $80 a month, um, because what it allows you to do is be able to search companies instead of people and then you can see information about the company. So for example, one of the strategies we use is be able to see what type of technologies are companies using. Um, are they using competitive platforms to what our platform offers? Um, are they using things that would make them a potential candidate for us based on that technology? So that would be one piece of advice I would offer is, you know, think about your audience, think about how you can leverage the tools um, and advanced search filters that LinkedIn offers because that is a certainly a powerful way to generate new opportunities. And, and ourselves, you know, as a company, we on average, you know, will generate, you know, 150 to 200 new potential leads a month with not a whole lot of effort. I mean, yes, there's effort put in, but it's really effort at the beginning to create the formula to how to identify these people. And then there's an automation component we have with our, you know, technology to be able to continually identify those people and, and talk to them and nurture them. So um, that would be the piece of advice I would provide um, Roman is, you know, look at LinkedIn, look at other things that are out there that provide value um, and see how you can leverage them to continually grow your business. No, I agree. And I think in the B2B space, LinkedIn is underutilized things like uh, LinkedIn groups, some of the features that LinkedIn is releasing in terms of uh, live video and in general uh, LinkedIn engagement is um, increasing so even if you're looking for potential clients or just sharing your content and the, the good thing about LinkedIn you can export your connection information so you can basically data dump if you have 20,000 connections you can export what their current name number work email is and have that information as well. 
Absolutely. And a lot of people, it's interesting, a lot of people don't even realize that option is there. So I think, you know, like you said, it's definitely a under leveraged resource. Um, and, and, you know, it's really, I would also just encourage people to think about who it is that they're selling to, you know, is that's the most fundamental thing, regardless of what you're doing from a sales perspective or a marketing perspective. Um, we actually have a worksheet. In fact, I just did a, um, a, a workshop a couple weeks ago uh, where we took people through our process to help identify your target audience, um, you know, and think about simple things outside of the box, you know, where are those people that you're set, you're trying to sell to, where are they getting their information? You know, what newspapers do they read? What podcasts do they listen to? What uh, websites do they visit, right? Um, you know, what are their pain points? You know, what, what are they doing, you know, socially, right? Because you might be able to connect with them on a personal level instead of on a business level. So if you know that a prospect or the types of people that you're selling to just coincidentally um, are all marathon runners, right? Or all, you know, like to donate to a particular organization, then there could be sponsorship opportunities where you can get in front of them, um, showing your support to what's important to them and build a relationship that way. So there's a lot that can be done um, when you really sit and think and analyze about who it is you're trying to sell to. Um, so that you can kind of be able to approach them in a very unique and compelling way. Yeah, I, I agree. I think just kind of blasting out like gen generic emails is the way to go. I think, like you said, it's important to get on a personal level and I'd rather have someone email me with something that they found some information about my favorite sports team or something of that nature to kind of break the ice and not ask for something to begin with, but maybe offer something in return or something of value and then work into the conversation, you know, you're offering or what you have in terms mm -hmm. of delivering to that perspective prospect. Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate your time. Can you tell the audience uh, how they can find you online or anything you have going on? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, so I'm always available, you know, um, I'm happy to um, talk with anybody that wants to understand, you know, marketing automation, to learn about it, to be educated and to see if it is a fit. Or if anybody that's already utilizing, um, you know, similar platforms to manage, you know, their sales pipeline and their leads, you can reach me at my personal number is 845-201-9353. Uh, my direct extension is number six. Uh, you can also email me if you like. Uh, it's jason at cultivize.com, which is C-U-L, T as in Tom, I, V as in Victor. IZE.com. Of course, you can go to the Cultivize website. We have a lot of great resources there that are available um, to share with everyone. And uh, you could also find me on LinkedIn. I do, um, I am pretty active on LinkedIn, always providing a lot of uh, content and resources and uh, love to just really, you know, have conversations with people um, as well, you know, both uh, virtually and through, you know, social media. So you can find us there and also, lastly, um, we're on you know Facebook and Twitter. Um, so if, if you look us up, you'll you'll find us someplace <laughs> if you put us into the search. And Roman, I just want to say thank you uh, for the invitation today. I really enjoyed our conversation, and uh, hope that your audience is going to find uh, value out of our conversation. Awesome! Thanks for jumping on today. My pleasure. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.